1 Kings chapter 7, verse 21. 1 Kings 7, 21. This is speaking of what Solomon did. Then he set up the pillars by the vestibule of the temple. He set up the pillar on the right and called its name Jachin. And he set up the pillar on the left and called its name Boaz. Jachin and Boaz were pillars that stood before the temple that Solomon built to the Lord. I want to speak about pillars today. God bless you. Please be seated. It's great to have you in church and everyone joining us online at this holiday season with lots of people coming and going. Well, today is Heritage Sunday at Atlanta West Pentecostal Church. And as we approach Thanksgiving, it's our custom here to honor the elders of our church. Elder is a biblical term, sometimes meaning pastor, bishop, pastor, elder in a church. And it also refers in the Bible to older people who are believers in the Lord. The Bible teaches us in Leviticus 19.32, you shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man, I could add, and woman, and fear your God. He connects respect for elders, but they reverence for the Lord. And then he says, I am the Lord. In other words, this is really important. I'm giving you this command to show respect to your elders. In First Peter 5 and 5, the apostle Peter wrote that younger people should submit yourselves to elders. And we should all be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Job said that wisdom is with aged men and in length of days, there is understanding. There's a proverb that says the silver haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. You can be old and foolish, but age and experience can also make you wise. In our culture, elders are often disrespected and marginalized, but not in the Bible and not in many honor cultures around the world. At Atlanta West, we are blessed with many elders in our church, and I will assure you that they are heavily invested in the next generation. Tomorrow, to my knowledge, the oldest member of our church will turn 100 years young. 100 years. Sister Louise Harper, would you stand for just a moment? Sister, I know we're all standing. Sister Louise Harper, tomorrow. It's her 100th birthday. Amen. Now, she gets the award for being the oldest, but, you know, just growing old in itself is not the, is not the reward, but living a godly life to old age is a great reward. Sister Harper is representative of really over 100 people age 65 and older who are part of our church family. We're blessed with a a very diverse church culturally and demographically by age. And uh, I was reading about this, about one in every 5,000 people 
is 100 years of age right now in our country. So not very many people. And for all the men in the room, I have bad news for you. 85% of the centenarians are women. So they stand a much better chance, if that's what it is, of living too long life. But the reason I mention Sister Harper is not just because of her birthday tomorrow uh, that she's celebrating. A lot of family members have come to town to celebrate with her. But because they are pillars in our church. Most of us know, but, but Brother Merle Harper, her husband, and Sister Louise and a handful of believers, they started this church in the basement of their home in 1961. So they are literally spiritual pillars in our church, and I thank God for the pillars. Amen. Pretty amazing. The Bible says that you should never despise the day of small things or small beginnings. You never know what something small is going to grow into if it is fed the right diet for growth. So we honor Sister Louise Harper. We honor all of our elders today. The Apostle Peter was writing. He said, honor the elders. He said, and I also am an elder. He threw himself in that group. So I, I guess I can legally do that as well. But pillars, when you say pillar, it evokes an image of stability and strength. Pillars are literal structures, but they also have spiritual counterparts in the Bible. Pillars, amen. Now, in ancient Israel, when King Solomon constructed the temple, in front of the temple, somewhat on the porch, the Bible said that he built two bronze pillars of witness, brass pillars of witness that stood before the temple. They were not in the temple. They stood in front of the temple. Uh, the, the dimensions vary a little bit by the record, but they were about 27 feet tall, six feet in diameter with a 10-foot capital that was on top of each of those pillars. But then Solomon gave those pillars significant names. As you were facing outward from the temple, the pillar on the right was named Jachin. You may know that Bible names typically have important meanings. And Jachin means he or God will establish. So if you looked at Jachin, you would say God will establish. Amen. The pillar that was on the left, if you were looking outward, from the temple, my perspective, opposite for you, that pillar was named Boaz. And Boaz meant in it, referring to the temple, is strength. In other words, God desired to establish his temple, the New Testament church would later come, and he would do it with strength or endurance. These pillars were memorials to Jehovah, and they stood as symbols of stability and strength. The people of Israel approached God's temple to worship him. They saw those bold bronze pillars, Jachin and Boaz, standing before the presence of God that came and rested on the temple. And Jachin and Boaz reminded the people that God will establish his people and that strength is in his temple. Amen. Now we are the temple of God and the church are the called out ones. Amen. And God 
has established strength and stability in his church. Amen. Pillars and strength. Amen. They go together. Now, if you've ever noticed that edifices around the world that are designed to kind of tell you that this is solid, this is strong, might be a courthouse or a building in the capital of a state or our nation or a nation overseas in another country, they often have columns or pillars. They're telling you something, that this is going to last. Whether it's true or not, behind the scenes politically, you know, in various countries whose governments have crumbled, those buildings say, we're not going anywhere. We are built to last. If you've ever seen pictures or visited the Parthenon in that Greek temple in Athens, Greek, they have these massive Doric columns or pillars. They're made of pentelic marble. The first time it had ever been used, they're still standing there today to try to evoke an image that this is not going anywhere. This will stand the test of time. And in Solomon's temple, Jachin and Boaz said to everyone who came to worship that God has done something here. Amen. That these columns, these pillars are making a statement that you can count on God to be faithful to you. Amen. That these pillars are saying that God has established his kingdom and strength and stability. Amen. In the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, it speaks of wisdom's house in Proverbs chapter 9 verse 1. That wisdom has built her house on seven, on column. Wisdom has built her house She has hewn out seven pillars. Now, this is somewhat mysterious. You can read all kinds of things about what these seven pillars are. But we know that God, that seven is God's number of perfection. We would say it is completion. He rested on the seventh day. There are many sevens in the Bible. So you could say that wisdom builds her house on balance or completeness. Amen. So pillars are really important in the Bible. Now, there are also in the Bible and in the church today, people that I would say are spiritual pillars in the church. The Bible says that, that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You can look back in your life if you serve God for very long, And you can probably identify from memory someone who has been a pillar to you. One time I I read something, said, name the five most memorable sermons you've ever heard. And people get stumped on that. That's not good news for preachers. but, But if you say, name the five people who have been most influential in your life, you'll probably be able to name them faster than the five best sermons you've ever heard. Pillars matter. And I'm talking about people who have served God, have walked with God, and have become stable and strong in their walk with God. They are pillars in the church. Now, among Jewish people, people who had great eminence and importance were represented as pillars or the foundation in the world. People who are like pillars in the church, they bring tremendous stability and strength to the church. And as I've already said, Atlanta West is, is blessed 
with what I would call a colonnade of pillars in this church. If you could see with the spiritual eye the men and women who walk with God in this church, they're not all older people, but if you could see the strength that is in this church, I have watched this church come to perhaps its lowest point all the way back to 1995, and I learned that there were men and women who walk with God, that had stood the test of time, that had been through storm and trial, and they were not going anywhere because they built a relationship with God that made them stable and strong. They were and are the pillars of this church. Amen. Pillars have an unwavering commitment to truth. Pillars walk with God. Pillars are faithful. Pillars are serving in ministry all of their life, even when all they can do is just pray. Pillars stand the test of time. They're not going anywhere. Pillars are not blown away by every wind of doctrine. Pillars have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. These are all scriptural principles. Pillars have grown up into the stature and fullness of Christ. Pillars have been established, strengthened, and settled. And pillars carry the weight of the church on their shoulders by their walk with God, by their integrity, by their giving, by their serving. Pillars set an example for the next generation. Like all people, pillars face temptations, but they resist them. Like all people, pillars endure trials, but they overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. After years of trial and testing, elders have become pillars in the church and they are standing strong and they will stand strong until the Lord comes back or they breathe their last breath. Like Jachin and Boaz and Solomon's temple, the lives of pillars are a testimony that God has established his church in stability and strength. You derive a great sense of strength from pillars. I've mentioned Jachin and Boaz. But when you came to worship God in the temple and you saw Jachin and Boaz, they were just columns of bronze, but they reminded you that this is a place that will stand. This is something that will last forever. God has established his people in strength. Amen. And modern-day spiritual pillars welcome people that come from a background of instability, of rejection. When people walk into this church for the first time and they've never known God, never walked with God, they may come from a background of brokenness where their family is shattered. They have no foundation. They never had a mom and dad who lived for God or taught them any principles and values. But then when they walk into the church of God, you can feel something in a church with pillars. You can sense that you've walked into something that has stood the test of time. It's not going anywhere. And you can lean on a pillar. You can look to a pillar and know that God has established his church in a Stability and strength is not going anywhere. 
I want our pillars to know that your walk with God matters. That when disenfranchised people, discouraged, disappointed people come into this place, they may not know you. They may see the agent of our church and not know really what it means to have pillars in a church. But I can tell you there's something here by years of prayer and fasting and walking with God and serving. There's a strength in this church that every child feels, every young person feels, every new believer feels. It's because you've walked with God and stood the test of time. And I want to rise to say thank you for every day you've lived for God, every year you've worked for, lived for God. The decades that you serve the Lord, you matter to this church. Amen. You probably read, or at least saw the messenger, our monthly newsletter that was emailed to you the last Sunday of October. And I wrote about pillars. And at a recent leadership dinner, I spoke briefly about pillars. But after that, a young adult came to me and said, I want to ask you a question. How can I become a pillar in the church? Sounds like a good thing. Their question was honest and sincere. So in that conversation, I, I shared a few traits of pillars, this young adult and I gave them some examples of people in our church. I dare not name names today, and that would, there would be too many names. But after that conversation, I've reflected on what this young adult asked and what I answered, and I knew that I would be preaching on the theme of pillars today to all of us. But I, I thought about this. You know, pillars are not built in a moment. They are built over time. You can come have a, an experience with God on a Sunday and then go give God the rest of the week off and you'll never be a pillar. A pillar is not something that you get at a youth camp or a youth convention or a, a conference somewhere in a moment. It might start the process of building. It won't even happen by coming to church a week or or a month, or a year, but pillars are built over time. As I've mentioned, pillars are faithful people. And I was thinking about the transformation that happens in the life of a person, as I saw it happen in the life of my grandfather. I only knew him after he was a pillar, and, and my own father after he was a pillar. But I've reflected on what they were when they came to God, and how in the world did it happen that they were not just kind of a flash in the pan, somebody who felt God who came and went, but, but they stayed and they stuck and they became st stable and strong. And I was reminded of this story of the apostle Peter. When he came to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, but you will become Peter or Cephas. And the word Simon, part of his name means a hearer or quick to hear. When you read about Simon Peter in the Bible, now later in Galatians 2 and 9, he is called Cephas by the Apostle Paul, and he is called a pillar in the church. But he wasn't always in a, pillar, a pillar in the church. He didn't come to follow Jesus and immediately become a, a, a pillar in the church. The Bible 
says that when he came, Jesus said, you're, you're quick to hear, but you will become a rock. You will become solid and stable. When he's a new believer, Jesus looks at him. He's one of those impetuous guy, impulsive people. You know, he was a guy that went really high and then went really low. He was the kind of man who can look at Jesus and get an inspiration, a revelation, and say, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and then just a few verses later, when Jesus starts talking about his crucifixion, the Bible said that Jesus, uh, the apostle Peter took Jesus and he began to rebuke him and said, that will never happen to you. You'll never die. And then it's in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. He went from blessed are you, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, to you're a devil, get behind me. High, low, that's who he was. Quick to speak, sometimes slow to hear. At the, at the evening before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, warming his hands by a fire of coals, it is the apostle Peter who will be given the keys to the kingdom of heaven, who will become a rock. It is Simon Peter on the eve of the crucifixion who says to a young lady and others, I don't know him three times in a single night. He denies that he even knows the Lord. He curses and swears with an oath. And I heard a new believer, he was older when he came to God, stand and testify, and in his testimony, he cussed in the whole church. He didn't know that was just his language before Christ. Simon Peter did that. But you know what he didn't when he failed? His failure was not final and his failure was not fail, fatal. He did not go out and hang himself like Judas Iscariot did. But Simon Peter, he just stuck around and he followed Jesus Christ. And over time, that man who was unstable and impetuous, impulsive by his personality, he became Cephas. He became a pillar of the church. So much so that he was willing to lay his life down as a martyr for Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you today that you can become a pillar in the church. Just stick around. Just walk with Jesus. If you fail, don't give up. If you sin, repent. If you have a bad day or a bad week or a bad season, don't ever give up. Just say, Jesus, you're stuck with me. I'm not going anywhere. I want to be a pillar. I want to be a pillar in the church. He was transformed. By walking with God. When he wrote his two epistles, I want to just briefly mention a few excerpts. He said, I want you as newborn babes to desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. He's giving us teaching. He doesn't say about how to become a pillar. He's just giving us teaching about being a stable Christian. He says, after you've suffered a while, the Lord's going to perfect you, establish you, strengthen and settle you. In 1 Peter 1, he talks about the power of God that is in us and that the Lord has given us exceeding great and precious promises. And 
He said, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to give all diligence. You've got to really mean this. You've got to be serious about becoming a pillar, about growing in God. He said, just add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control or temperance and then add some patience and to patience add some godliness and to godliness add some brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness add some charity. And the apostle Peter, this formerly wishy-washy guy, wrote, but if these things are in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, giving diligence to this to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. He's not preaching my sermon, but if you do these things, you will become a pillar. And nothing will shake your faith. You will never fall. He talks about the Bible as a more sure word of prophecy that will build strength in your life. He says in 2 Peter 3.17 that you make sure that we're not led away with the error of the wicked and fall from our own steadfastness, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And just grow up to become a pillar, walking with God day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, studying God's word, walking in prayer, disciplining yourself through fasting, being a steward of your time, talent, treasure, ministry, Longevity and strength flows into inherent weakness and you become a pillar in the house of God. You know, when we pray, we pray to God. We don't pray to Mary, the mother of Jesus. We don't pray to the pillars of our lives or the pillars of the Bible. But I was thinking about the influence of past generations on the current generation. Now, God has no grandchildren. You're either a son or daughter of God or you don't belong to him at all. I'm a fourth generation oneness Pentecostal, but that did not save me. What saved me was a personal encounter with Jesus Christ when I repented of my sins, was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. But pillars do matter, amen? Abraham was a first-generation follower of Almighty God. But Abraham, in his old age, he blessed his son Isaac. So Abraham, who's called out of Ur the Chaldees, a background of idolatry, his father Terah worshipped idols, and his forefathers over on the other side of the Euphrates and Ur of the Chaldees. But Abraham, first generation child of God, he becomes the father of the faithful. He becomes a friend of God. And he passes his faith on to Isaac. So Abraham becomes this pillar. He's like Jachin and Boaz to Isaac. Now Isaac... He prays to the God of Abraham. Then he has his sons Jacob and Esau 
Esau does not become a pillar. He does not embrace the faith of his fathers. But when Jacob, his son, begins to talk to God, the Bible said, and Jacob said, oh God of my father Abraham and the God of my father Isaac. He realizes that his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham walked with God and they're like pillars in his life. He can look back to them and said, the God that was faithful to my father Isaac and the God that was faithful to my grandfather Abraham, he will answer my prayers and he will be faithful to me. Now, you may know that Jacob, he's a heel grabber. He's a supplanter. He doesn't start out as being faithful. But Jacob now becomes a pillar like his father and his grandfather. Amen. He has 12 sons. One of his sons, Joseph, is in that fourth generation, you know. The fourth generation that people fear are not going to have the pure faith of their fathers. But when Joseph is prophesying about God getting his people out of the land of Egypt, he begins to look back to the God of his great-grandfather Abraham, his grandfather Isaac, and his father Jacob. And he said, I'm going to die, but God is going to visit you, and he's going to get you out of this land. He's the God of Abraham, he's the God of Isaac, and he's the God of Jacob. And then generations later, when God appears to Moses out of a burning bush and he reveals himself to Moses as the I am, God says to Moses, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because the God that was faithful to Abraham was faithful to Isaac, was faithful to Jacob, was faithful to Joseph, and he would be faithful to Moses and all of his people. I just want to tell you today that there's a God that was faithful to generations past. And his truth endures to all generations you can look back to the faith of the men and women in this church who have kept on keeping on. They have never given up. They have never gone back. They are pillars in the house of our God. And you, you can be that too. Amen. The pillars in your life will never replace a personal walk with God. The pillars strengthen my confidence in the faithfulness of God. For me, I can look at my grandfather and my father, my mother, my grandmother, and my aunts and uncles, you know, a whole family of pillars. I thank God for them. Amen. Today on this Heritage Sunday, things seem to be shaking in your life. When your faith is being tested, when you are being tempted, I want to encourage you to look to a pillar in this church. Ultimately, we look to God. And that's why I just preached about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All of those generations, succeeding generations, can look back at father, grandfather, great-grandfather, and they can see the faithfulness of God in their lives. So when you're going through a time of shaking in your life, why don't you look to a pillar? And why don't you lean on a pillar and latch on, as we would say in the South, 
to an older man or woman who has walked with God and stood the test of time and say, hey, I want to lean on you right now. I need to look to you as representing the stability and strength that is in the church. I need you to pray for me. I need you to hold me up. I need to be reminded that it doesn't matter what comes and goes in my life. I can stand strong in my faith in God. Amen. My prayers are strengthened by the stability and the strength of the pillars in my own life, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. You know, because it's the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when I pray to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm praying to the same God who answered the prayers of my father and grandfather, the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacobs in my life. And I know it was God that kept them. It was God that kept them through every storm, every trial, everything they faced in their lives. Amen. I was thinking also about generational transfer. Elisha has a pillar in his life. His mentor, Elijah. He follows him. He, he wants to be just like him, but he wants more. He wants a double portion of the anointing that was on the prophet Elijah, his mentor. And Elijah says, Elisha, if you see me when God takes me up, you'll receive that double portion. So Elisha follows him, and a chariot of fire comes out of heaven, and Elijah is caught up, that mighty prophet of God, He's caught up in a whirlwind, and, and when he goes, he passes from this life. Doesn't die, but he passes into eternity. Elisha says, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, he lost something when his mentor went away. But Elijah did not quit serving God when his mentor went on to glory to be with the Lord. But Elisha took that mantle that drifted down from the prophet Elijah and he walked back to the same river, the Jordan River, that his mentor, his pillar, Elijah, had parted in the name of the Lord. And Elisha said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he smoked the waters and the same God that answered the prayers of his mentor, of his pillar, Elijah, answered his prayers. And I want to tell you today that the God of your fathers will be your God. He will part the waters in your life. He will answer the prayers in your life. He will be with you just as he was with them. He's the same God. He's the same God. Why don't you worship him right now? If you're able, please stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 
if you're not serving God right now and you feel that you do not have what it takes to live the Christian life, I want to assure you that it does not matter what your background may have been. You may be like Abraham who came from a totally pagan culture. Or you may be that second, third, fourth generation Christian, oneness Pentecostal. Thinks I can never be what my great, great grandfather, mother were. But I assure you that in God's word and by God's spirit, unstable people like the Apostle Peter can become a rock, can become a pillar. So look to those pillars. Lean on those pillars. And ultimately look to the God who made them a pillar in the house of our God. I want to I do something today. If you have lived for God, regardless of your age, but if you've been in church for 50 years, 50, that's a long time, right? You've been in church 50 years. That doesn't mean you've been perfect for 50 years, but 50 years you live for God. If you're able, would you just walk to this altar, and I want you to just stand here and face the congregation. I know this not easy. 50 years or more, 50 years, 50 years. Come stand right here, please, and face the congregation. These people are not here for show. They're here for spiritual warfare. If you've walked with God for, we're going we're gonna to cut this down because 25 years is a long time. You've served God 25 years, and you're able to come. Would you please come join these men and women right here, 25 years or longer? Amen. <clears throat> Let's give them a hand, 25 years. I received the Holy Ghost when I was eight years old. I could have come with the first group. 25 years. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of strength. It's a lot of pillars in this church. And I'd like the rest of you, if you're able, I want you to just join us in the altar today. And I want these folks, we're going to pray for one another today. We're going to pray that God would pass the strength of the past into the future. That the elders of our church, and there's a lot of people here who are not that old, but they received the, they came to God when they were young. They received the Holy Ghost when they were young. Just come close, please. I heard, brother, I watched both services, by the way, Sunday and Wednesday as well. Just gather right down here. We're going to have a big prayer meeting here in a moment. We're going to pray for the strength of the past to be conferred on the future. Amen. And we're going to call on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're going to call on the God who is faithful to my father and my grandfather. I want him to be my God. Amen. If you're not able to come to the front, I want us to stretch out our hands. 
And all of you who are in the altar, I want you to go to someone and just pray with them. Amen. We're not taking authority today. We're going in prayer with them. Just put your hand on their shoulder. Men with men, ladies with ladies, or family member. In Jesus' name. That's it. Come on, Simon Peter. You're new to this, but you've got some pillars and you're becoming one. 